Welcome to the Fertility Journeys podcast. Here's Dr. Shala Salem. Today, I have Dr. Jessica Chen, who's going to talk to us about acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine, how it helps fertility. There's a saying in Chinese medicine where the mind goes, the qi flows. And qi in Chinese medicine is about energy flowing in our system. So things are stuck and not moving disease arises from that. So mental health is so important. The acupuncture helps even out your sympathetic system. So that's why it's really helpful in just calming your stress down. So when your mind feels relaxed, then your body actually starts relaxing. When your body's relaxing, then it could function better and it could actually work better. Acupuncture releases endorphins to help decrease stress yes. too. And meditation combined too is really helpful. So that's why acupuncture is so helpful for stress, mental state, and also just coming in here talking to somebody a lot of times women that are going through this feel really alone. So having that outlet too is very, very helpful. I know the fertility journey is not easy. Many suffer in silence, walking that line between hope and devastation. More often than we know, the path to building a family is met with challenges. I'm Dr. Shala Salem, and for over a decade, I have been helping people just like you on their fertility journey. As a physician and a PCOS warrior who's gone through my own fertility struggles, I am passionate about helping to support your mental and physical well-being, foster your resilience, and help you maintain your sense of self on this difficult journey. I created this podcast to support you. Each week, you can learn from our expert guests about proven holistic and integrative methods to nurture your mind, body, and spirit and hear women share their own stories to remind you that you are not alone. Welcome to Fertility Journeys. Fertility fad, fact, or fiction. Here's the latest from Dr. Shala. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. And on today's segment, I am discussing PCOS. And what are some myths that we hear about PCOS? I see a lot of things on social media all the time that are simply just not true about PCOS. So I want to clear up some of those and then hopefully that can help us kind of sort through what's true and what's false about PCOS. One of the most common ones I see is weight loss or special diets cure PCOS. So this is false. Although weight loss can help the symptoms of PCOS, There's no cure for PCOS. That's something that I want you to understand because I can't tell you how many times I see it online, eat gluten-free and cure your PCOS. There's no cure for PCOS. While some people might feel better eating gluten-free, that is not something that's necessary for all PCOS patients. Or some people may be touting keto diet is the best thing for PCOS patients. Someone might feel better on a keto diet you know, find what works for you. But personally, I like to recommend things to patients that can be a lifelong type of eating plan. I don't particularly like the word diet because diet implies that we're going to be doing something for short term to lose weight. I'm more concerned about doing something you're going to do long term. Perhaps you are trying to get pregnant. That would be something that maybe you can continue if you do become pregnant and continue on for life. Because really, when it comes to PCOS, 
it's good to find an eating style that's low in processed foods, good sources of healthy fats, protein, lots of fruits and vegetables, low processed oils, healthy fats like nuts, seeds, olive oil, avocados. And so I find when we go to certain specific diets, whether that be vegan or keto, or you're doing, you know, gluten-free or dairy-free, that doesn't work for everyone. And there's no blanket statement when it comes to PCOS. This works for all PCOS patients because there's several types of PCOS and every patient with PCOS is different. The second one I commonly see is PCOS only affects overweight women. This is simply not true. I have worked with women of all body sizes who've had PCOS. While we do know that a larger percentage of women with PCOS are overweight or obese at one point during their life, there are lots of women who may be on the slim side who have PCOS, and often those women might get missed by their physician or their provider. Other ones that I might hear is I have patients who will hear from their doctor that, you know, you have PCOS, so you're going to have trouble getting pregnant. You'll never get pregnant on your own. So this isn't true. While there are a large percentage of women with PCOS who will seek assistance to become pregnant, there are also a lot of women with PCOS who do spontaneously ovulate and can get pregnant without assistance. And so it doesn't mean that you need to seek assistance, but I really encourage somebody who has a very irregular cycle to work with a provider, a physician who can help them to pinpoint their cycles, see what's going on with their cycles. And some women with PCOS do not ovulate at all. I had patients with PCOS who won't have a period for a year or two. And so if that patient's at home trying to get pregnant, that just leads to longer time waiting, lots of frustration. So it's really important to meet with a physician right away if you have an irregular cycle. It doesn't mean that you have to do, you know, IUI or intrauterine insemination or in vitro fertilization. I think that sometimes scares off patients from getting help. There are a lot of other alternatives that can work for patients with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And the other thing that I hear a lot is, it's not important to worry about PCOS unless you're trying to conceive. It doesn't lead to any problems. You don't need to worry about that right now. You can just go on birth control pills. Well, while birth control pills are really helpful for a lot of women with PCOS, because again, yes, women with PCOS can still conceive. And if they're not trying to conceive at this time, then they can use birth control pills. Birth control pills can also be helpful for that patient who never has menstrual cycles and can help to reduce the risks that come with PCOS of endometrial cancer. And so there are other things to look out for when you have PCOS. You know, it is associated with diabetes. It is associated with high blood pressure, abnormal cholesterol levels, mood disorders like depression, anxiety. Certain types of eating disorders are associated with PCOS. So it is important to work with a physician beyond just using birth control pills to make sure that you're being taken care of. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope that you join me again next week. Please let me know what you want to hear next. I love to talk about another topic or other questions that you have on the next show. 
So my first experience with acupuncture was probably about 20 years ago now, to be honest. And I used it a lot for digestive health. And coming from a um, conventional background, a lot of times acupuncture is not something that's super encouraged. And I felt that acupuncture was so relaxing. It helped me with so many of my digestive issues. And today I have Dr. Jessica Chen, who's going to talk to us about acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine, how it helps fertility. So welcome, Dr. Jessica Chen. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about how you decided to pursue traditional Chinese medicine. How I came about studying Chinese medicine, it's just very, I guess, natural in an odd way. I was born in Taiwan. My family came here when I was 10. And my mom, I was being very Americanized. Uh, at age 10, you just want to be like your friends. Yeah. She constantly was like, okay, don't forget your Chinese. You have to remember to keep your hair black. You know, <laughs> like, you have to remember your Chinese. And she was always cooking herbs at home. And we come from a family also of actually Western allopathic medicine. So my uncles were all doctors, but my mom did both. She also took me to Chinese medicine doctor to get herbs. So I was very familiar. She cooked with herbs a lot and she talked a lot about, oh, you need to strengthen your period or this is going to help your cramps. And when I was young, I didn't really understand what that all meant. She gave me a tea and I drank it. It did not taste good. And sometimes I throw it away in the sink. <laughs> so, and I just thought our house always smelled of herbs. So I didn't really think much of it, just knowing it was just kind of part of my daily life. Right. And in college, I pursued psychology. And afterwards, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, actually worked at a bar, um, bartending and also managing for a couple of years. And I just decided I want to do something to help people, something that kind of make my mark and help contribute somehow. And I've always really believed in how our body naturally could do a lot of things. And so I was talking to my mom and she was like, oh, why don't you think about Chinese medicine? I, and I was like, oh, I, I don't even understand that. I don't even know what that means. And right. she gave me information. She's like, oh, there's Chinese medicine school here in America. So I started doing researching. There's grad schools here. I was like, oh, got it. And then I became really interested. And I went to interview for grad school. And she had asked me, have you ever had acupuncture? And I said, no. And she said, you might want to try it before you come to school. <laughs> um, I was like, but I want to become an herbalist. Well, here, actually in the States, you have to be a licensed acupuncture in order to practice to prescribe herbs. So mm -hmm. then I went on that journey and um, it, I signed up for more than what I thought it was going to be and so much more. I feel so grateful that I just happened to fall into this medicine. So there was probably a lot of influence that came from your upbringing. Yeah. You didn't really think about it, obviously, and you really wanted to try to be like everyone here. But I'm sure that in your mom had a lot of influence in your decisions Absolutely. to pursue Chinese medicine. Tell us a little bit about the practice of traditional Chinese medicine. It's not just about acupuncture. You're correct, because acupuncture is actually really well known here in the States. Acupuncture is actually only one of the modalities of Chinese medicine. So 
Chinese medicine has acupuncture, has Chinese herbs, has cupping, guasa, tuena, which is body work. So it encompasses many different modalities, but the theory is the same. The Chinese medicine theory is all about rebalancing your body, getting your body into homeostasis, and uh, helping your body thrive and helping your body reach its optimal level. Because as we age from being a baby to where we're at now, we accumulate a lot of toxins and stress. And I always say kind of like peeling an onion, right? When you're a little kid, when you come in to see acupuncture or Chinese medicine, you don't really need much. You just need a tiny bit of tweaking because they're already open. And right. as we get older, we have all these layers of stuff. So you have to peel it. And depending on what your needs are, we either use acupuncture, cupping, guasa, actually electric stimulation, or a little bit of body work, and definitely Chinese medicine. So it all encompasses Chinese medicine. Okay, that's fascinating. So let's say someone comes in to see you. How does an appointment go when you're first meeting with a doctor of Chinese medicine? So one thing what I really, really love actually about Chinese medicine, it's we really look at the body as a whole and we really take the time to understand the patient. So if you're coming in saying, oh, listen, I'm not getting my periods and I'm not just going to ask you, of course, I'm going to ask you about your menstrual history, what's going on. But we also talk about what your lifestyle is. What do you eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? What kind of stress? What kind of work do you do? How were you as a kid? And does your mom have any problem conceiving you? So we talk about all these areas. So usually we really have a conversation about your past history, lifestyle, and also current, how you live now. And then I make an assessment. I think of a acupuncture protocol plan for them. And afterwards, most of the time, I'll prescribe Chinese herbs because herbs and acupuncture work synergistically together for a better effect. So, right. yeah, I think that's really important that like you said, spending the time with a patient, really trying to see, looking at what do they eat and mm -hmm. asking all those questions because so commonly and actually probably in most conventional practices, those questions just aren't asked. So we don't ask about uh, previous trauma or nutrition or what their exercise looks like or their stress. And all of those things impact the physical body, mm -hmm. right? It's as if we try to treat them as separate parts. The mind and body is separate, but it's all one. And so I think that's how traditional Chinese medicine really can help someone who may be on their fertility journey. I think it can be a wonderful way to enhance if you are going through treatment or even if you are trying without treatment. Traditional Chinese medicine is something that can help to support. So if you have someone who comes in to see you for fertility support, what are some of the things that you do to help them? Acupuncture is one of the modalities I would use. So I do acupuncture. We talked about also we would do Chinese herbal medicine. And we also talk about nutrition. And most of the time, I actually have them do a food journal for me. What do you put in your body every day? Because that's something that you could do on a daily basis. And then we talk about a treatment plan, depending on what's going on. So if you are either getting ready for, let's just say, an IVF cycle or an IUI, or you are just getting ready naturally, or you're thinking about 
trying to get pregnant soon, but not sure. So it really depends on where you're at. And then we'll come up with a treatment plan for that. And acupuncture is very helpful for treating fertility because it helps actually balance your hormones. So it helps your brain communicate better with your ovaries, which is really important because that's where you have the connection of excreting the hormones properly. So sometimes your brain might get the signal, oh gosh, it's not producing enough estrogen, progesterone, or FSH. And then sometimes it gets a little bit off its path. And acupuncture actually helps rebalance that. Also, it's great at promoting blood flow. So there's many studies that have shown that acupuncture is really good at promoting blood flow to the uterine lining. So it's helpful for patients that have issues with their lining, especially actually um, if you take progesterone along with acupuncture, studies have shown to increase the endometrial lining. So better for receptivity of um, implantation and actually keeping the pregnancy rate and also the blood flow going to the ovaries. And when you have blood flow, it creates oxygen and nutrients and creates a better environment or hoping for your follicles to grow and thrive. So these are the different things that we do to help with fertility and the herbs come into play with driving that nutrients into your ovaries and into your uterus. And if you have, let's just say a high stress job or any other things that's going on, we also work on that too, because it's all about whole body health. So if your body is fight and flight all the time, the last thing it's paying attention to is, hey, let's try to have a baby right now. Right, so definitely. if you could keep your body thriving, it could really work on your productive function wholeheartedly. It's fascinating about uterine lining because that is an area in conventional medicine that is extremely difficult to treat and to help enhance uterine lining besides medication. And I have seen some patients who've had improvements of uterine lining when using acupuncture in conjunction with conventional medicine treatments. When we can't explain it in conventional medicine, sometimes we write it off. But I think really being open to all these types of treatments that may be helpful for patients. Can you speak a little bit about male partner? And mm -hmm. is it possible that acupuncture could be beneficial for a male partner? Yeah, definitely. It's just like the female, acupuncture is about blood flow. So we are continuing to bring the blood flow to the male reproductive function. Usually we um, ask if they've had any testing on sperm analysis and see if it's either low volume or motility issue or the quality issue, then we have a better idea. So if it's quality issue, we actually prescribe herbs to really get more nutrients there along obviously with acupuncture promoting the blood flow, which provides the nutrients and the oxygen. And if it's motility, we actually add herbs that helps get more blood flow over there to quicken the flow of the sperm. So, and also lifestyle. I find that lifestyle actually and nutrition helps so much for male fertility. Just telling them not to sit for long periods of time. Don't spin or bike. Keep the area cool. Um, eating better. Just the change in that actually really, really helps with the male fertility. Yeah, I think that there can be a lot of benefits for male factor and sperm factor when it comes to lifestyle. So I think that is definitely something to consider 
if you are going on the fertility journey now, have your male partner work with a Chinese medicine specialist, someone who can help them with acupuncture and herbs, like you said. I think that it's a great benefit. The other thing I get a lot of questions about is egg quality. Now, you did mention a little bit about blood flow to the ovaries. Mm -hmm. Do you also work with herbs to try to help benefit egg quality? And over what time period do you usually recommend that patients work with you if they're trying to strive for improved egg quality? It's something that it's tough. As you know, we're born with what we have, you know, and Right. Some women's egg quality when they're older could still be pretty good. And some, even when they're younger, the egg quality is subpar, which is unfortunate. And with egg quality, I always say we're doing an anti-aging treatment because you're really trying to slow down the progression of the aging when it comes to the egg quality. So what we do is... Again, we talked about the blood flow, right? And then increasing, giving the ovaries a better environment so it could thrive. And also the herbs, I always say the herbs are really, really important in conjunction with the herbs when it comes to egg quality because you have to push those nutrients in. So there are a lot of Chinese herbs that are really good to just provide tons of nutrients. It's like the Chinese herbs, I look at it as food, but something stronger than food. And there's actually a lot of food herbs that you could take a, a lot of times, like goji berries. That's a Chinese herb. Right. And people don't know that. There's just starting Oh, I to didn't know. know that, actually. Yeah, it's a very, very popular herb. And actually, you cook that in chicken soups, too, as a postpartum tonification oh. soup and also aura fertility soup. But goji berries are really good, high antioxidants. So there's a lot of food herbs that you could actually eat, cook in soups, uh, red dates, is it also another herb that's a fertility herb too? So that's really important. All putting a formula together specifically for that particular person and also for adding stuff for a quality. So Chinese medicine is a very individualized focus. So if I'm treating two people that are having a quality issue, I have to also look at, oh, this person is more this related and that person is actually that related. So the herbal formula gets tweaked a little bit and so does the acupuncture formulation prescription. Yeah, I think that's something really important to keep in mind that there's an individualization in how acupuncture or Chinese medicine may work. So, you know, you perhaps may have a friend who has a different experience with how their outcome is with use of Chinese medicine, right? Yeah, definitely. Because also, although our environments are different, just how we even process our environments and how we get rid of things like toxins and how we metabolize things, then we're going to have just a different experience and different outcomes. No, absolutely. Some patients, as you know, some people could take a, like stronger stuff. They take a tiny dosage and that's enough for them. But it's all about actually getting to know their body too. I think for yourself too, when you're giving them their protocol, you also are getting to know their body too and knowing what kind of protocol to give them when you're treating them for fertility. Definitely. I think that sometimes patients are a little bit nervous if they've not done acupuncture or not gone to see a traditional Chinese medicine doctor about what to expect. And maybe it's going to be painful because you use needles. Mm -hmm. I hear that a lot oh my goodness, isn't it going to hurt? They're going to put needles in me. How can you kind of dispel those myths for us here today? Honestly, I myself was 
scared of needles, acupuncture. My mom did cupping mostly. And I thought that was scary when I saw her getting it done. Well, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she was actually also scared of needles. So she didn't do much acupuncture either. So we did a lot of herbs mostly. And like I mentioned earlier, when I went to the acupuncture school, the director was saying, you need to try acupuncture. And I was very scared. I was scared of needles. And then um, I did my first treatment. And honestly, it wasn't what I expected at all because the needle is very, very thin because we're so used to getting shots. Those needles are different because it actually is thicker. It has a hole in there because you've got to put medicine in there. And with the acupuncture needle, it doesn't have anything here. Let me show you quickly. Yeah. Oh, great. It'll All be right. great to see what they look like. Show you right? what they look like. And it comes in different thickness, thinness, and it really depends on the body. Most of the time I use a very thin, fine needle because that's all you need. You don't need too much. And it comes in different lengths depending on which body part you're inserting the needle. This is actually one of the thinner, um, the shorter one. But this is really, right. really thin. Wow, and so small. It's like you could bend in. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've had needles placed in me, but I've never actually touched them. Yeah. So, and actually when I see kids, I have them take a look. I call these tap taps and I have them take a, I have them touch it, feel it. So they get comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And then there are some, most of the time you don't feel anything, but some areas of the body are a little bit sensitive. So you might feel like a little, it feels like someone pinching you. Yes, I have felt that before. Almost yeah. like a little bit. If it gets close, maybe a nerve, I, I'm guessing. Yes, exactly. It can feel a little bit of something, but yeah. that's not common. Typically, yeah, not you don't common. feel much. Typically, you don't feel much. If anything, you might feel like the achiness. So in a way, you could say, oh, the acupuncture is working because you're feeling that achy sensation because it is the blood flow flowing and it, it's eliciting a reaction in your system, even though sometimes you don't really feel like anything. And acupuncture is so great actually for stress and mental health because it helps decrease your sympathetic, which is our fight and flight, and increases your parasympathetic, which is I'm relaxed at a beach, chilling out, looking at the dolphins, you know? Um, right. So that's why a lot of times we don't do enough of. No, we don't. We're definitely in a little rat race, just trying mm -hmm. to catch up all the time. So people find acupuncture very relaxing because it does just get your body to just slow down a little bit even for that half hour when you feel refreshed so yeah I definitely agree with that I felt like acupuncture was this state between sleep and awake yes it's the alpha state so where mm -hmm. you where you meditate you know because you're in mm -hmm. and out because you're it's like how was your rest I think I fell asleep, but I'm not sure. And yeah. I think that's one of the benefits of it is that especially someone who's on the fertility journey, they may be having a lot of appointments with doctors mm -hmm. or other practitioners. They have a high stress job or just being stressed about trying to conceive. And going to acupuncture appointments sometimes can be the only time where it's dark. There's no phone. There's no computer. There's no iPad. There's no boss. And yeah. now it's the time just for themselves. Yep. Absolutely. For me, mental health is something that is really important in every way in wellness. And, you know, conventional medicine often, as I said before, will see the mind and the body as separate. Yeah. But what goes on in our mind can actually impact our bodies. And optimal mental health, I think it's extremely important for someone who's trying to conceive 
Can acupuncture help with, you mentioned a little bit before, how does it help with stress, anxiety, things like depression? Those are common things that we see amongst those who are dealing with infertility. Yeah, for sure. There's a saying in Chinese medicine, where the mind goes, the qi flows. And qi in Chinese medicine is about energy flowing in our system. So things are stuck and not moving we just become like this, right? And then disease arises from that. So mental health is, it's so, it's so important. So like I mentioned earlier, the acupuncture really helps to decrease the sympathetic, increase parasympathetic. So it actually helps even out your sympathetic system. So that's why it's really helpful in just calming your stress down. When even neck pain, shoulder pain, that I get a lot from all the patients from all that stress and tension, that helps releases that too. So when your mind feels relaxed, then your body actually starts relaxing. When your body's relaxing, then it could function better and it could actually work better. And acupuncture releases endorphins as well as like when you're exercising. Also exercising is good to help decrease stress yes. too. So it's also part of that too. And meditation and combined too is really helpful. So that's why acupuncture is so helpful for stress, mental state. And also just coming in here talking to somebody with what you're going through is also very helpful. Sometimes you just need someone to kind of just to let go. Because a lot of times women that are going through this feel really alone because they can't yeah. share it with their friends or their family. So having that outlet too is very, very helpful. Yeah, someone that can listen Yeah, and then help. Perhaps you can tailor their treatment to what's going on with them during that time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Can you talk to us a little bit about cupping? Is that something that you ever use with fertility patients? With fertility patients, I mostly do cupping if they have back pain or upper back neck strain, because if they have something going on, pain in their body, their body is going to be in a state of stress. When a state of stress, right. it's not going to really focus on getting more blood flow to the ovaries. So when you're having pain, when I do cupping, cupping actually helps it, it's like getting a deep tissue massage. So there's different mm -hmm. layers of muscle and cupping goes through the deep layer and stretches and opens that up. And when you open it up, you're releasing a lot of toxins, opening blood right. flow, and it actually allows new blood flow. And it's all about your oh, body healing itself. Uh, so cupping is great for fertility in that sense. I do do actually a lot of electrostimulation a lot of times for fertility, mm -hmm. especially for uterine lining. That's another oh, okay. modality I use with acupuncture. And also, I don't know if you've heard of moxa. Yes. So that's mm -hmm. another tool that we use too. There's a diagnosis in Chinese medicine for fertility. We call it cold in the uterus. Yes, when, I've heard this. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when your uterus is cold, like the environment, nothing thrives in the winter cold environment. So if you're uterus is cold, then it's not going to grow and thrive. So the moxa, it's an herb. We light it and it smokes up and it yes, actually- Yes, I've seen that. Yeah. So it actually helps mm -hmm. also increase blood flow to the uterus and it warms the uterus up. That's why another thing, side note, is keeping your uterus warm is um, really important in Chinese medicine because um, of that whole concept of everything thrives in the warmth. So I always tell my fertility patients, don't eat anything cold or raw, keep everything warm because that's where blood flows. Yeah, I was interested to hear about a diet because I do 
have a lot of patients who talk to me about the warming foods mm-hmm. that their doctor of Chinese medicine talks to them about not eating cold foods. So tell us a little bit about nutrition and how traditional Chinese medicine, the approach of that nutrition. Nutrition and the food and the herbs, it's really interesting because every single food and every single herb has its own taste and temperature. So every single food is categorized as it's either cold, cool, neutral, warm, or hot. And same thing with the herbs. And the, the flavor is salty, acrid, pungent, and sweet and neutral. So depending on what the patient's constitution is, you suggest what type of food they should be eating. Oh, you should be eating more warmer foods or cooler foods. So if a patient comes in, she tends to be very thin. Her tongue is pale and she eats a lot of raw food. She exercises a lot. I always suggest for her to eat more warm cooked foods or she gets bloaty, gassy. I always say stay off the salads because usually salads, if we think about it, what do we eat when we're going on a fast or a cleanse or a diet, right? We eat lots of salads because it's very cleansing. Right. But fertility is about warming foods, lots of nutrients. So you could eat tons of veggies. You need to eat tons of veggies, but cook veggies. And that way your body isn't having to spend all that extra time trying to break down that raw food. Oh, so, got it. And also warming soups. So it really depends. But if someone comes in and they're a little bit overweight and they're running hot all the time and they do need to lose a little weight, I would suggest, hey, you need to maybe eat a little bit of raw food here. So it'll be a process, like eat a little bit of raw foods, mm-hmm. let's cleanse your system first, and that's move into the neutral and then warm foods. So everybody's a little bit different, but majority of the time for fertility, it's that we want to keep the uterus warm. So we want to keep, you know, warm foods less ice cream. Yeah, I've heard this a lot from patients about the warming foods and the cooling foods. It's so fascinating to me. What about water and drinking water? So is that also the same? Like maybe we should be looking more towards room temperature water? What's your idea on that? You just kind of know like cold for your stomach is not good because you don't want to shock your stomach and it seizes and then it's hard to digest, right? Versus it's warm, then you could digest it. Like everything cold doesn't flow. Everything warm relaxes, right? So that's the concept. So if you eat ice water, just like we talked about uterus, everything in your body temperature has to rise that up when you need that warmth for your uterus. So that's why I always say first thing in the morning, drink a big glass of warm water with a little bit of lemon because the lemon helps hydrate you from being dehydrated for the night in warm water because when you're waking up, your body temperature is lower. So you do want to introduce warm drinks instead of a big glass of ice water. And then it just um, kind of shocks your system a little bit. So it's a different way of thinking. We also look at things according to season. Traditional Chinese medicine has been around for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. When we think about it, a lot longer than the conventional treatments that we're used to. So there's definitely some wisdom there, right? Treatment with acupuncture or herbs can also benefit someone who may have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about how someone with PCOS may benefit from that? Sure. It depends also, I think, on the level of PCOS you, you have and also how long you've had it for. With acupuncture, a lot of times people come in 
when they're already taking medication like metformin and then I just go with whatever they're taking, whatever treatment they're doing already. So I supplement that. So if they're coming in and then they're in the middle of trying to get pregnant and they're maybe going through a cycle and they're a metformin, then I ask them like their history about their um, periods again. And then I put a treatment plan <laughs> accordingly. So with uh, PCOS patients, herbs actually plays a really important part, especially with actually helping them ovulate because PCOS is about just having a lot of follicles and just not right. having anyone to come out to play, the one strong one, right? So right. acupuncture helps with PCOS to help you ovulate better. What I find too, when you are able to ovulate, they actually most of the time get pregnant pretty pretty easy. Right. Okay. That definitely can happen because mm -hmm. a lot of times the issue with a patient who has PCOS is they're just not ovulating at all. Now, not mm -hmm. all cases, but yeah. a, a large number of them, that can be an issue. Yeah. Um, another thing I often see a lot is women with endometriosis mm -hmm. and pelvic pain. It, is acupuncture or herbs something that can benefit those patients as well? Yeah. I mean, it definitely can. It also like really depends on the case too. If you have someone who's have severe endometriosis, you definitely need a combination of Western and Chinese herbs because sometimes Western medicine gives that quick boost yes. because Chinese herb does take time a lot of times, mm -hmm. does take time. It's almost like food. So it's not that strong. It takes time. So if someone has a severe endometriosis, you might even say, okay, you know, got to put them on Lupron or something just to shut their system down a right. little bit. And at that time, then I'm able to actually at that time, help calm down the hormones a little bit and get the herbs to help reduce inflammation and then see how it goes once they're not taking medication anymore, you know, or if you have just minor endometriosis, then sometimes you want to do a couple months of treatment to get your periods better. Right. I think the combination of the two, using conventional approach along with something like Chinese medicine, is you get the benefits of both. Yep, absolutely. Right? So, I mean, one of the great things about conventional medicine or using medication is that, as you said, it's quick acting. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're all used to. One of the more difficult things to get used to when you're trying to use you know, a nutritional support or using acupuncture or herbs is that those things take time. Yep. And so there is a little bit of patience factor in trying to see the results. Yep. So it's a little bit harder because I imagine you may have seen that sometimes you may have patients who come in and want to see things after one or two treatments, right? Yeah. And that just is not the case. No, especially, especially with fertility. And a lot of times too, I tell them if you're coming in for acute neck pain in a couple of treatments, you'll definitely be like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling much better. But when you're coming for fertility, it's, it's so much deeper than that. Definitely takes more treatment. And like I said earlier, everybody's body is different. So how they're going to respond to acupuncture and the herbs is also different too. Like you said earlier, like an onion, right? You have to go mm -hmm. through all the layers. And so somebody who's on a fertility journey, there might be a lot of different aspects that need some attention yeah. from working with you. And I do sometimes have patients who want to just go once a week, or they can only go for transfer, or 
is that something where they'll see a benefit? Obviously, we understand they will not have a benefit as working with you a few times a mm -hmm. week for many, many months. But is there some benefit for using something like acupuncture after transfer for a couple sessions? If you could get acupuncture treatment for any session, I think it's important because we talked about earlier that mental health part that you said it was so important. It's true because no matter where you are in your cycle, and if you even come in for one treatment or two treatments, just even having your nervous system just rebalance a little bit will really help your body thrive and work better. So even with wherever you're at, just getting one or two treatments could really, you could really benefit from it for sure. Yeah, I think that sometimes it's an obstacle to going because some patients think, oh, I need to go for X number of sessions. Mm -hmm. It's too long. It's a huge time commitment. But I think even a small intervention a few times, there could be some benefit for, to it. Yes, definitely. And that's something that you could also talk about with your acupuncturist too, or even get on the phone before you book or have a 15-minute phone consult first. Just let them know like, hey, I don't have time or I don't have the finances, whatever it is that you can't do a commitment. It's like, what can I do to best help? Should I just come in for a treatment right after my transfer or maybe one before one after? And I think that's something that when you're talking to an acupuncturist to ask about, and then I'm sure they will help you. Yeah, I think that's important, trying to connect with an acupuncturist even before you arrive. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So if somebody is starting on their fertility journey, I think also working with somebody in traditional Chinese medicine can be great. Maybe you don't have difficulties. I think it's also good to work with a practitioner like yourself. Can you speak about that as well? Yeah, definitely. Chinese medicine actually is really about preventative medicine because it's about not chasing the disease. It's about preventing it. And a lot of times too, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I don't need help until by the time something hurts or something's wrong, then sometimes it's going to take longer to heal or it might be too late sometimes. But I think we're in that society. We're always thinking like, there's nothing wrong with me. It's not broken. We don't need to fix it. Well, we can't see it. Right. So I love what you talked about is, hey, someone who they're not sure or they're just starting or, you know, it's really good to just getting their, first of all, getting your body checked, checked in a way where we had conversations and you might be surprised. Sometimes you think everything is fine and you might find out like, oh yeah, my period is a little bit shorter. I thought that was normal. It's, it's normal for her body. Maybe we could get a bit better or just making sure everything's functioning, continuing to function well. So right. it's really good at just coming in and just getting your body prepared. Yeah, I think that's great because unfortunately, conventional medicine, we've been so conditioned to only reach out to a doctor when we're sick or we have some kind of medical condition or disease or there's a problem. Mm -hmm. But I think taking care of both your mind and your body is something that's an ongoing process and you're always engaging in taking care of your body and making sure things are okay. And sometimes I think, patients don't even realize that they have something going on. Mm -hmm. So perhaps you think, I'm fine. But there's actually a lot of things going on, as you said, because we don't realize it until things are broken, yeah. right? Until we're under a tremendous amount of stress and then it develops into anxiety or something else. So sometimes we need to take care of ourselves along the way before there's a real problem. Yeah, for sure. And the longer 
takes for you to accumulate that, the longer it's going to take to treat it. And sometimes, like you said, like you know, I have patients come in here and they don't even realize that actually they've had headaches for so long that it's part of their lives until they were getting treatment. And then they come in one day, they're like, oh, you know what? I, I haven't really had much headaches. Like, I was like, oh, you have headaches? And it's like, I didn't mention it because I've just always had it. And then it's something that you don't even realize you've had is you suffer from it for so long Correct. that it's part of you, you know, mm -hmm. and then you get this relief. It's, oh my gosh, I can't believe this could ever happen. So I didn't know I could feel better. Yeah, exactly. Right? You think you feel fine, but you yeah. actually could feel better. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And one of the things that you and I had talked about is, listen, not everybody will have the opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with an acupuncturist. Sometimes it's possible you don't have insurance coverage. It could be cost prohibitive. And you had mentioned to me that there's a possibility that someone may be able to get treatment at an acupuncture school. Yes. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So there are many acupuncture schools actually across the United States search for acupuncture schools mm -hmm. near you, wherever your closest is. And a lot of times because acupuncture is in training in grad school, they go through internships and during their right. internships, they have to have patients to see. And they are watched over by acupuncture doctors with the treatment plans. So those are lower cost clinics because you are being treated by interns. So that's a great option to go to. Yeah. Too. And if anything, I feel like you're getting even better care because the students are learning. So they're really spending having a, lot of, time spending with a you. lot of time with you, really trying to understand. And you have their supervisor, which is their doctor trying. And so you have two brains helping. Mm -hmm this one patient. So it's actually a great alternative to go to acupuncture school clinics. Yeah, I think that's such a great idea because I know that sometimes it can get costly if you mm -hmm. don't have insurance coverage and you're going multiple times a week. So that's something to really consider. If somebody can't work with an acupuncturist at all or they plan to do it in the future, what kind of things do you recommend to do at home to really support their health from your perspective? I think the easiest thing to do is looking at what you're putting in your body every day. We have to eat every day. Might as well know what to eat, right? So think about things that creates more burden into your system. The number one thing is actually sugar because yes. when you eat too much sugar, it affects your insulin level and actually affects your hormones and sometimes how your body ovulates. If you're craving sugar a lot, also that's another issue because, hey, maybe I'm craving sugar because I'm self-medicating because I'm stressed or I'm tired. Just bring more self-awareness to your body is a big one. And by doing that, just watching what you're eating. So cutting out the sugar is a big one. And I always say, if you can really cut down or cut out coffee, because in Chinese medicine, you're kind of supporting your adrenals drinking coffee. So if you're not drinking coffee, that means you're telling me you're, you're needing that energy. So, um, I've had a lot of patients that actually get off coffee, didn't think they could ever do it. And they mm -hmm. felt miserable for a week. But after that, they felt like their energy was so much better because your genes are functioning on its own. It's not needing help. And a lot of times we're using coffee because we're not sleeping properly. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. <laughs> that's a great, mm -hmm. great point. So again, bring that self-awareness, right? Like, well, why am I needing this coffee? Maybe because I'm not sleeping enough. And actually sleep, thank you for bringing that up because sleep is really crucial 
for fertility, not only for our body health, but for fertility health. Because when you're not getting that restorative sleep, I think your hormones are recharging around one and three in the morning. So when you're not getting that sleep, your hormones aren't recharging. So that's actually one of the questions I always ask too. How many hours are you sleeping and are you waking up tired? Something that and you so many of yourself. us don't know that yeah. we're tired because, as we said, you wake up, you're good on six hours because you have your coffee. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, my so, energy's fine usually, you know, when I have my coffee. <laughs> right, right. So definitely trying to make sure you have optimal sleep, which is yes. probably going to be more in the eight hour range. Yep. Most people may think they're okay on a small amount of sleep, but it's impacting really everyone. And sometimes actually people are having coffee because it's almost like it's a ritual mm-hmm. having a hot drink. Yeah, so you may want to pick something else. What are your thoughts on tea or matcha tea? I think like right now, I think like those turmeric latte drinks are very popular. And I love that because mm-hmm. it has turmeric, ginger, black pepper, cardamom, all these herbs that are really good at warming your system and also decreasing inflammation. So, and then add a little bit of non-dairy milk. That would be delicious. I feel like a warm Mm -hmm. drink. And then also an herbal tea in the morning, chamomile or like rose hip. Rose hip is also really good for relaxation. Yes. Um, Ginger tea is great because ginger is really good for digestion and also warming your system up too. Matcha, I feel like it's more gentle than green tea, the high antioxidants, but I prefer all the other things that I mentioned more than the matcha. Just be cautious where you're ordering them because some places put pumps of syrup and things like that. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, if you could make it at home, even great. And I think it's more cost-effective if you get a bag of... Right, more (laughs) cost-effective, less toxins, less all of that. Exactly. And one thing I know that you mentioned a lot too, um, I noticed on your Instagram is about toxins in the system. And I, I just love that you talk about it because it's so important for fertility because if we're bombarded with stuff every day that we don't even know so there's sometimes no point if you're adding all these good stuff in your body and you can't process it because you have all these toxins in there you know yeah definitely I think that's a huge area to look at and listen all of this stuff sometimes can feel very overwhelming overwhelming. when you're starting out some of this stuff might be completely brand new for you so really I recommend that women or men or couples, you're starting at one step at a time. Yep. And so that's why it's great when you work with someone like yourself, because you'll start them with looking at one thing at a time and really be helpful to walk them through the process. Absolutely. They're getting so much information and then you almost end up feeling bad because, oh my gosh, I can't do any of that. If I don't do any of that, does that mean we're not going to have a baby? It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that way at all. And like you said, it's about one step at a time. What can I do this week to help my body grow stronger? Maybe instead of sugar every day, I could have sugar twice a week on the weekends. Something doable, not so stressful, because obviously at the end of the day, stress is going to cause more harm right. than anything. We don't want to create more stress by yeah. you feeling overwhelmed and anxious yeah. that you're not doing all the things. You don't exactly. have to do all the things. Mm-mm. And when I put out information or I put out share information in the podcast, it's really just to try to give education to help empower you and have options of things that you could do that can help. 
So, uh, yeah, I'm always worried about overwhelm, too, when we talk about all the things that we can be doing, because sometimes some women will feel really overwhelmed by all the information that's out there. And yeah. it's not all necessary. Find the one area that you want to work on. And I always say anything that you're doing is better than nothing. So, you know, this week you cut out plastic. That's amazing. Give yourself a pat on the back for doing that or sleeping an extra hour. Just one little thing at a time because yep. we don't want to be overwhelmed. Absolutely. I really focus on trying to prioritize, you know, mental well-being first and foremost. And one of the ways that I try to encourage this is finding joy in our everyday lives. What's something that brings you joy? Well, at this moment, we just got a puppy. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Can be joyful and not so joyful yeah, at the same time. He's bringing a lot of joy, but talk about not sleeping enough. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Been getting more acupuncture treatments because I've had to <laughs> deal with the puppy. But, you know, something like that for me uh, brings a lot of happiness, joy. Or actually, I feel so fortunate just coming to work and, you know, I've become almost like friends with a lot of my patients. I've seen them for, for so long mm -hmm. and it's just really nice to, to do that too. Or simple things as watching a movie on my couch when it's quiet. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Little things like it's, that. It's important to really pay attention to the simple things and, and know that we can find happiness and joy in just the small moments yeah. in our life that we don't have to be having all these you know, big moments to find that. Being mindful, paying attention to the little things can be really helpful for us to just keep perspective. That's a really good reminder. Any last words of wisdom or anything else that you wanted to share? You talked a lot just about just being a little bit joyful and being in the present because it's very stressful. It's an emotional roller coaster having to go through the fertility journey. It really is. And I think it's really hard to sometimes find that joy and happiness when you're sometimes having disappointments after disappointments. And all you can do is do the best you can to help your body and not beat yourself up. So I think that that's the most important thing. And yeah. I love that you say just a reminder, just finding tiny little things in life that brings you joy. Mm -hmm. That's important because laughter is important. Sometimes we, we are looking completely in the future and completely missing all the moments that are going by us. I'm guilty of that. That's yeah. something I do a lot. And I did for so many years. I'm trying to be better at it right now. But especially like you said, in the fertility journey, we're really focused on the outcomes and focused on what the ending will be. And so I think it's important to try to really just be mindful as we can. And that is something you can you know, work on with your practitioner or mindfulness instructor and things like that. Yeah. Where can listeners find you, Dr. Chen? I am in Santa Monica. I guess my website, you could actually find yeah. more information about me, is at myqi.co. It's M-Y-Q-I dot C-O. And myqi stands for, it's focused on qi in Chinese medicine. I think I mentioned earlier, it's about energy, our life force. So I wanted to build a place where all of us are really thriving, like getting our own chi stronger every day, you know? So yeah, I think that's great. And are you on Instagram or any social media? I am. So my Instagram is restore underscore my chi. We'll put it in the show notes <laughs> for everybody. 
I learned a lot myself. It was packed with lots of information. Thank you so, so much for being here today and really sharing with the guests. And I hope to do it again. It was my pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity. I enjoyed it very much. The Fertility Journeys podcast. Thank you for listening today. Episodes of Fertility Journeys drop every week. Follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at fertilityjourneys.org. Next time on the Fertility Journeys podcast. My next guest left her highly successful corporate job when she found her life's purpose in a yoga studio. She has transformed many lives around the world. Welcome, Lisa. Going to my mat every day brought me back to a sense of myself and knowing that when I was able to calm myself down on my mat, I was able to realize that I can't always control what goes on on the outside, but I can certainly control what goes on on the inside. These messages, these affirmations that I sent to myself when I was on the mat helped center my mind and my body. Practicing the breath work really helped calm me during some of the toughest times that helped reinforce that no matter what was going to happen, and I didn't know, even though I was healthy and the tests showed that there was no reason for me not to carry a baby to full term, I knew that it was within me that I needed to make a change in my mindset. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult with your own physician as information shared on this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice.